I want to thank the choir and orchestra again. Man, the orchestra's disappeared. Good gosh. Y'all were doing all that? The three of you? This is some orchestra right here. Wow, I would have guessed it was all kinds of instruments. It's one family. Where would we be without the Reese family? Y'all sound incredible. Y'all really have just been awesome. Uh, Just incredible. Choir, the orchestra, it's been great. I thank Tom uh, for filling in today and leading for us in worship. Uh, Dale and his, Dale and Aaron went back to Texas today, their, their, uh, or this week, their son uh, graduated from college, and I think, I think he's bringing like his parents and cousins and everybody back with him. It's like the Clampets coming to Virginia. It's, uh, so be, be praying him for, for him this week. As, I mean, they're not coming to visit, they're, they're moving here. I mean, they're bringing the bucket and everything, so... Uh, you be praying for them as their family uh, has a time of great celebration in Texas this week and uh, we'll be moving back here uh, this week. You know, folks, when you are sitting on your couch having a peaceful moment, which I know you have dozens of during the Christmas season, um, when you're sitting there quietly and you're taking in a, a hot chocolate or a hot coffee and enjoying the decorated tree uh, and you're having a happy Christmas thought, what is that thought? What are your, your treasured Christmas memories, your treasured Christmas traditions that you kind of enjoy, that give you a little sense of peace, a little sense of, of happiness? You know, I feel very blessed that when I look back over a, a lot of Christmases, you know, my memories are really pretty good. And, and I do think that's a, a blessing because I, you know, I realize in the world we live in that when we come to the Christmas season, uh, there is actually not just one emotion experienced during this season. There, there's a range of emotions. Uh, man, when things are not quite right at home, I don't know why. It seems like at Christmas they're just really not right. You know, when you've had losses this year, that, that loss takes on a little sharper edge during this season. And so there's, you know, there's not just, you know, it's not all just, you know, gumdrops and candy canes during this time. There's, there's difficulty this, during this time. And that's why I say, I really feel blessed, at least to this point in my life, when I look back over Christmases, you know, it's just filled with, with a lot of good things. You know, I, I look back and I, I see a, a wall of cookies that my grandmother made every Christmas. I told a story about that once, but she, she just really, especially when you're five or six, it seemed like an entire wall of, of Christmas cookies. When, when I look back over Christmas, uh, I'm always going to think about, about my wife. We got engaged on Christmas Eve in 1986, and a year later... Uh, the week before Christmas, we got, we got married. And so whenever we're celebrating Christmas, we're, we're celebrating our life together. We're celebrating our marriage. So I'm, I'm going to think about that. When I, when I think about Christmas, I, I tend to think of Colorado a good bit. Uh, I don't even know how many. Probably a third, a half of all my Christmases have uh, been spent up in Estes Park and kind of a little winter wonderland. It just kind of was a little winter village and uh, really nice. And uh, as a matter of fact, that's one of our Christmas traditions I don't, I don't so much cherish. Uh, we're, we're usually here, uh, us being our family, we're usually here through the Christmas Eve services. So our, our big Christmas tradition is we, we travel all Christmas Day. And our family all lives a very long way away. So we're doing good if we, if we can get to wherever we're going by nighttime on Christmas. That's our, our big fun thing. It's planes, trains, and automobiles the whole way getting there. But um, I, I tend to think of that. When I, 
When I think of Christmas, I, 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 one thing I, I think of is uh, what I guess probably a lot of us think of. Usually, I guess it's dad has this responsibility a lot. You know, you get the dogs out, get the paper in, get the coffee going, turn the lights on, get the camera ready. And, you know, while the, you know, the Indians are up there just going nuts, waiting to be released to come down and get the gifts. And then you get to say, you can come down now. And it's, you know, and you better have everything ready because it's harem scarum for the next hour. Uh, that's a precious moment, isn't it? That we get to, to look back on. But uh, I think of a dollhouse that I never built when I, when I think of Christmas. One, one year, my, my girls were small. Uh, Karen buys a, a dollhouse. And it's early in the, it's like in October, November. And I, and I look at it and I'm thinking, oh, that looks like it's going to be a booger to build on Christmas Eve. And that was about my only thought other than, wow, this is heavy. Uh, I mean, it's a big, big box like this, about that thick. So we, we carry it up. I'll just look at the picture on the front. We carry it up to the, uh, you know, where elves put stuff and uh, put it away. And, and I don't think about it again. And we're watching the news on Christmas Eve. And so we pull this down and, and I, I take the top off the box. And, and my first thought was, wow, there's a lot of pieces in there. And... Uh, and so then I open up the instructions. And you know on the inside instructions, sometimes they like list all the contents and the number uh, of each item. This is when I thought, okay, there's a serious problem here. Because I saw the word shingles, 2,500. I said, Karen, <laughs> I said, is this for Christmas morning or their wedding day? <laughs> And so, you know, she thinks she has bought a toy, you know, that the girls are going to play with. Well, what she bought, I think she got this at Michael's, which, by the way, I would never go into Michael's and buy anything. But uh, she, she, she bought this there. Well, what she has bought is not a toy. She's bought something like what a, a hobbyist, you know, somebody who builds these things for a hobby, you know, like for 18 years. And so then she, by the way, I'm not that person. If you see somebody like me doing that, you've just seen somebody who looks like me. But so then she asks the million dollar question, are you, are you going to be able to get that done by the morning? <laughs> Karen, you don't have 25 shingles over your head. No, I'm not going to get that done by the morning. So uh, we returned that and got our money back. Um, that, we did, that, that never happened. I can't even show you a picture of the box. It's gone. I said, get it out of the house quickly. But, uh, I mean, folks, I, I tell you, I, I've said it a lot of times. I love Christmas. I, I really do. I, I, I'm one of those that whether I'm looking, you know, back to my grandparents or all the way through to my kids, it's just, man, it's just the sights, the sounds, the smells, the gifts, the travel, the experiences. It's just all oh, pretty good for me. And I feel very blessed by that. But when I think about what I treasure about this time of year or, or Christmas Day, it does kind of raise the question, doesn't it? What should I be treasuring? What should we be treasuring about Christmas? Is it family? We would certainly, I mean, if you went out there and did a, a survey in the mall and said, what, what's important about Christmas? We'd, we'd hear the word family over and over and over, wouldn't we? Or, or maybe, oh, well, peace on earth. You know, or maybe, maybe what we should treasure is that moment where we all pile into the car on Christmas Eve and, and, and we go to the Christmas Eve service to sing for just one last time, Silent Night, before the whole season's over. Now, what, what are we to be treasuring? Well, folks, just as we've done the last two weeks, we're going to look to the life of Mary and see what should we be treasuring about Christmas. And boy, hasn't she done just a really effective job at showing us what we should be doing with this news. Let's turn and look 
to Luke chapter 2, verse 19. Luke chapter 2, third book into the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible with you, we've got some in the chairs in front of you. If you can't reach one, I know somebody will hand it to you. But Luke chapter 2, verse 19, we're just looking at one short, simple verse. Uh, matter of fact, it's going to be on the screen here in a second. But, but go ahead and turn there because we are going to look at a couple of other verses in just a moment. Luke chapter 2, verse 19, and it very simply says this, but Mary treasured up all these things in her heart. And she was meditating on them. And you know, folks, the funny thing, when I first read that verse, and I'm not talking about this week, I'm, I'm talking about most of my life, you know, years ago, when I've had a tendency to read that verse, I didn't think that much about it. I thought, you know, this verse is just kind of a, you know, just kind of a mommy moment, isn't it? And I'm not making light. I'm not saying that's less than if, if it's a mommy moment. I, I guess I think, isn't the verse kind of stating the obvious? What, what mommy isn't going to be treasuring this moment? I, I, mean, I mean, you know, all the way from the, the baby showers to getting things ready to that moment where you say, it's time, you know, to, to, to giving birth and holding it for the first time. And then you come home to that, that little room you've prepared for. Man, this is the stuff mom's treasure. This is the stuff moms cherish. And so, guys, is this really any big deal? Anything being stated here that, that Mary treasured what was going on? But then it, you know, it dawned on me. The Scripture's not really into just stating the obvious. The, the Scripture's really not into just, oh, oh, here's some information, you know, whatever you want to do with it. Actually, what the Scripture teaches of itself is that every single word, not just the page... Not, not just the story or a teaching idea, but every word is inspired by God. Every word is God-breathed. And so while this passage might very well be communicating kind of a very natural response of a mom, folks, God is pointing out something that Mary is doing here as a model, as an example to what you and I should be doing. As a matter of fact, while most of, not most, at least half of us in here are, are never going to be a mom, I, I'm not, uh, that's just not going to happen. Uh, I'm not going to be a mom, but you know what? We all understand what mommy devotion is. We understand what mommy treasuring is. And so quite possibly God is holding up this, this experience, this emotion we know and understand and saying, hey, this is what your response should look like to this news. So let's think a little bit about all that this passage means and, and kind of unwrap it a little bit, unfold it a little bit and see what it's talking about. Now you'll notice right away, if you're looking in your Bible, verse 19 there, it says, but. But Mary. That's a word of contrast. In other words, everything you and I just read in verse 19 is a contrast to what came before. So, so what, what Mary is doing is being contrasted with something else. Let's see what that something else is. Look at verse 15. Verse 15, it says, When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. But they hurried off and they found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So verse 19 and Mary's activities are being contrasted with verse 18 and the activities of really just the masses and the people. 
The, the angels were out there. They're taking care of sheep. And, and then all of a sudden, I mean, the light, the noise. I mean, they look up in the sky. And, and the scripture says there was myriads. It's a difficult word to translate. It's, sometimes it's translated innumerable. There, there was an innumerable amount of angels. Revelation uh, sometimes translates this word ten thousands of ten thousands. So these shepherds are taking in a moment. They're taking in a sight probably unlike any other human beings ever taken in or ever will take in until Christ returns. And, and so they look up and they're seeing all this. Well, in response to seeing this ten thousands of ten thousands of angels in the sky, man, they head off to the stable. They see Mary, Joseph, and the baby. And, and they leave there. And you can imagine, man, they're, they're hyped. This is pure adrenaline. And so everybody they run into in Bethlehem, around town, maybe they go all the way back to Jerusalem, everybody they're talking to, they're telling about what they've seen. What they've been a part of. And, and that's what verse 18 is talking about. As they're doing that, it's creating some interest. It's creating a buzz. Everybody's kind of excited. I mean, have you heard what the shepherds are saying? Have you heard what's going on tonight? Now, that's not anything negative. The, the, the contrast is not, oh, look what the, the bad people were doing. No, it's not saying anything negative about that. It's just saying over here, we have an interest, we have an excitement, we have a buzz. But Mary... And then it goes a little bit deeper than that. Now, folks, that's really very, very similar. Don't run past this little three-letter word because it's very similar to where we live today. You know, out in our culture right now, there's an excitement in there. There's a buzz. There's kind of an interest. I think we probably, you know, bemoan a little bit how, how secular Christmas has come and we've forgotten the reason for the season and you go out there and, you know, certainly it's very different than, say, 20 or 30 years ago. But you know what? Even right now, there's a, a little bit of, you know, there's a little bit of spiritual heightened awareness. I and mean, we'll see the next couple Sundays, attendance is going to climb up a little bit. You know, there's just almost a feeling of, you know, I, I think that's where we belong. I, I think that's what we should do. And so you see, there's an interest there's an excitement, there's a, a buzz going on right now out in the culture. But in here, it should be different, shouldn't it? In here, it should be more than just an excitement and a buzz. It should be a lot deeper than that. Now, what are we talking about? Well, the passage says that she meditated. That word means to ponder over. To mull over things. It's really an interesting word. It's kind of a, a word that if you would imagine sitting at your kitchen table and you got a bunch of pieces. You say, pieces of what? I don't know. You've got a, you got a series of events in your life. You, you've got a series of ideas. And, and as you're sitting there looking at them, man, you're, you're kind of mulling this over. You're pondering this in mind because you want to put it together. I want to see how, how A connects to B, connects to C, I want to, I got all these things. I want to see it as a whole. I want to see what it means so I can do with it what I'm supposed to do. This, this looks big. This looks important. I want to get it right. And, and that's a sense there of what Mary's doing. Now, then the question would become, well, what are the things on her kitchen table? What is she mulling over? What is she pondering? Well, folks, just think about the things that the opening chapters of Matthew and, and Luke have shown us that have taken place in Mary's life in the last nine months. I mean, we can go back nine months to that night. We looked at that a couple weeks ago. We can go back nine months to that night that Gabriel showed up at her house. The angel. I'm guessing you're not going to forget that. I'm guessing that one's going to stick out for a long time. 
And not only did she have this experience with this, this profound angel, but then think about what the angel's news was. You're, you're going to get pregnant as a virgin. And the child in you is going to be the, the son of God. Yeah, so that's, that's one of the pieces on the table. What, what does this mean? And how does it connect to... A couple weeks later, a couple months later, she goes to see her cousin Elizabeth, a much older lady. As a matter of fact, Elizabeth and, and Zechariah are, are past their childbearing years. And, you know, they never had a child. And, and they really grieve that, that, that. They miss that. But she's pregnant. You know, by God's hand, in her own miraculous way, she and Zechariah. Now, it's one thing, you know, the excitement of a young girl to, to be having her first baby. But when you thought you lost that opportunity, you've missed that opportunity. And now she's pregnant. Can you imagine the joy, the excitement in the house? But watch this. When Mary approaches their house, Elizabeth goes running out there and begins to praise God for the baby in Mary. I mean, wouldn't you think she's going to come? You're not going to believe this. I'm praying this most incredible thing. Nothing about that. She's all excited about Mary's baby. Wouldn't that make you scratch your head? Wouldn't you put that on the table and say, how does this connect to this? What does this mean? And then the wheels come off. I mean, you know, if all this activity, all this excitement about the baby in you and your baby, you've been told, is the son of God, Figure that one out. What is that supposed to mean? But if you figure, Son of God, this ought to be a, a pretty big moment. I mean, I've got to have God's blessing and favor, and this is, this is going to be a high moment when the baby's born. So why am I in a stable? I mean, really, do you think if you find out, you know, I'm carrying the Son of God, well, gosh, probably the next thing is I'll be given uh, birth around a bunch of barn animals. No, you wouldn't anticipate that at all. And, and yet, and of course, folks, actually, I think we could go into a whole other message uh, about the humility of Christ. The Son of God that, that puts on flesh, that is born in a stable. It's almost a whole other message. But, you know, functionally, just think about it real quick. You know, here's this baby that's born as the Son of God, as the King of Kings. If he was born in a palace, if he was born in a temple, well, it would be kind of natural for people to come running, wouldn't it? It'd be kind of natural for dignitaries to come and, you know, pay their respects and bring gifts and to do that kind of thing. That really would not stand out. But think about how it stands out when he's born in a stable and people come running. And dignitaries come bringing their gifts. That doesn't make any sense at all. So don't you know, Mary said, where does this fit into this picture? What, what, is, what does this mean? And then eight days later, they go to Jerusalem Bethlehem's very close to Jerusalem. Uh, they go to Jerusalem to the temple uh, to have Jesus circumcised. And while they're in there, two people, two unrelated people, Anna and Simeon, come and they, they begin to prophesy about this baby, saying wild stuff. I mean, just crazy stuff, stuff nobody says about a baby. They say, you know what, this child is going to be a light to the Gentiles. That's you and me, by the way. He's going to be the light to us. To Israel, this is Israel's glory, the salvation of everybody. But, but then Simeon says, and Mary, he's going to be opposed. He's going to be hated. And it's going to pierce your soul. And can you imagine? I mean, you, you're going to throw that on the table, aren't you? Folks, these are the kinds of events, okay? I'm sitting at my kitchen table and I'm, I'm mulling over, I'm pondering, I'm meditating. I'm trying to put together the events of the last nine months. What does this mean? What is this saying about 
this baby? What am I, I, I supposed to do? And folks, this is why I believe that it's probably much more. I think God's capitalizing on a, mon- a mommy moment, pointing us to that because we understand it. But I think in this moment, it's much bigger than a mommy moment because I believe Mary, as she puts these pieces together, begins to realize that what she holds is more than she is. Quite possibly, Mary is realizing, you know, this baby existed before I did. Man, mom and dad, can you imagine the trump card that takes out of our hand? I mean, how many times have you told your kids, I'm older than you. I know what's going to happen. I've been down the road. I know what this looks like. (laughs) Mary can't really ever say that. (laughs) Can you imagine holding your baby, the product of you? Who does the baby look like? Is Mary beginning to get it? This baby is not the product of me. This baby created me. She, she is saying, this baby that I hold sends men to running, angels to worshiping, people to saying things that, that nobody says about anybody, ever. What is this baby? And I, she wants to know. She wants to know. And God does. Remember, every word in Scripture is placed there purposely by God. God marries together. I think it's really beautiful here in verse 19. He marries together this word meditating with the word treasure. So that as we see her taking on really what you might could call an academic exercise, studying, understanding, wanting to put it together, and yet there is a treasure added to it. Folks, what this verse is about is a devotion. A devotion to know. I want to know. I want to know. I want to know. I want to study. I want to learn. I want to understand. So I can properly love. So I can properly follow. So I can properly obey. It is love that drives this. Oh, folks, think of what the Bible's speaking into. It's speaking into a culture, into a world of religious people. And yes, at times we will, we will study. We will seek to understand, and, and why do we do that? Well, it's, our, it's an obligation. It's our religious duty. Folks, if you think what Mary's doing is about duty or obligation, you couldn't have missed it further. Sometimes we will come into this house to listen, to learn, to know, out of guilt, out of shame. That's what drives us. You think guilt and shame is what's driving Mary at this moment? This example that God is holding up in front of us? There's no guilt here. There's no shame here. Love is what drives this. I want to know this baby. Folks, I think if we look at Mary as an example that God is holding up to us in this moment right here, this precious mommy moment, God is sending us to a life of studious devotion. A life of studying and understanding in, in other words, folks, we, we get to a place where, you know what? I can't read the Bible enough. I can't turn on the radio or go to church and listen to enough sermons. I, I can't get together with God's people in a, in a Bible fellowship class or a small group Bible study. I can't do that enough. I can't read enough books. I want every opportunity I can to get around the kitchen table and put these events together. All these things that have been taught about the person of Jesus Christ. I can't give enough time. I want to get it all connected. I want to put it all together. I want to see the whole. So I can know Him. 
so I can love him and follow him and obey him. And folks, we've looked at now for three weeks at the life of Mary. We've looked at her as a model, as an example. And I think that I can summarize three Sundays in one sentence. Some of you might be thinking, well, why didn't you just do that three weeks ago and be done with it? How did Mary respond to Christmas? Remember, that's our question. That's, that's why we said we're going to study somebody in the Christmas story. We're, we're going to pick a character out of the Christmas story and study them and see if there is some clues for you and I in what we do with this Christmas news. What we do with these events. And we, we pulled Mary out. So here's the sentence. Mary responded to Christmas as a devoted, spirit-filled slave. Man, I hope for those of you that have been here the last three Sundays, that sentence really packs a punch. I hope you can fill all the meat in on that. Because if she's our clue, and I think that's why God put her there, and I'm standing here on December 12, 13 more days of Christmas, thinking, what am I to be doing with the events of Christmas? What am I to be doing with the news of Christmas? Folks, I think that line sends us somewhere we need to go. I, I think Mary's model example there sends us somewhere we need to be. Now, now what is in that? And, and what I do with these next three statements is try to unwrap that a little bit. What, what if for the next 12 days, and ultimately, folks, it's really not about the next 12 days, is it? What if for the rest of our lives we said with Mary as our model, man, with all I am, I'm going to seek to know Him. I want every opportunity I can get to study the life of Christ. Whether it's individual study or group study or a big giant group like this, I am looking for every place, every way I can to learn everything I can about Him because I want to know Him. I don't want to miss, I don't want to miss a, a single facet, a single reason just to see how wonderful he is. I, I don't want to miss anything that might help me just fall a little bit more in love with him. And I'm going, to, I'm going to give myself to a life with all I am, devoted. When somebody looks at your study, when they look at your pursuit to know him, they do not see religion. They don't see guilt. What they see is somebody incredibly in love, incredibly devoted. Man, you've got a treasure here that you're unfolding. With, with all I am, I will worship him. Man, we saw last week how important it is that when we do that, we're spirit-filled because in and of ourselves, man, we just get stuck on ourselves. That's not even meant to be a mean statement. Some of us can be really nice people and do really good things, but we're still stuck on self. To really worship, we've got to get stuck on Him. And ultimately, to really worship, we want to come in here having lived a life just like Him, which means we're stuck on others. And when we're filled with the Spirit, when we're controlled by Him, the praise, the song comes out. The love and the serving of others comes out. Praise and humility. With all I am, I'm going to yield myself to the Spirit's control so it's a life of worship. With all I am, I'm going to obey Him. This baby, this little babe of Bethlehem, a little Christ of Christmas, this little cute little manger scene. He is the king of all kings. My creator and my master. Kind of hard to put that all in the word cute, isn't it? 
His life is my life. His agenda is my agenda. That's who this baby is. Folks, as I have, and I hope as we have walked with Mary these last three weeks, I don't know, I think she challenges. What kind of passion, what kind of devotion are you pursuing a life of studying, knowing, worshiping, and obeying Him? I think she challenges the motive which with we do that. Is it love that drives that? Or is it a sense of duty, obligation, or, or, or guilt? Mary. Jesus is the treasure of heaven. And Mary held him. Do you? Let's pray. Father, I wonder if I can even imagine the awe that Mary had as she pondered. Can I imagine the awe of her trying to put all this together and as it started to connect, as she started to realize who she held, as she started to realize that this is God, God, the high, the holy, the transcendent, the pure, the true, the good, the perfect. So unlike me. And I'm holding them in my hands. My hands, not true. My hands, not perfect. My hands, not holy. My hands not clean. When Mary pondered and realized that her baby's blood is what would cleanse those hands, that baby's blood would give her the treasure of heaven. God, I want to imagine the awe she felt. I want to do more than imagine it. I want that awe to overwhelm my life. God, a lot of us in this room, we have felt that awe at one time. We, we saw how worthy you were, how unworthy we are, and that you, you stooped to touch us. You stooped to love us. You stooped to save us. And we were in awe. But God, we get over it. We get over the awe. I'm sorry. God, I pray as we ponder, as we mull over Mary and what she's done, that God would bring back a fresh sense of awe. And it sets us on a life of seeking to know the Savior. It would look to our family, our friends, people who know us great, people who don't know us at all. It would look like we are after the treasure of all treasures. They would literally describe our life as one who is 
completely devoted. You are so worthy. I pray how I live tomorrow shows it. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.